Hello fellow worshipers, welcome back to the Linwood Worship Podcast. It's me, AJ. This is a podcast where we look into some of the whys behind what we're doing when we're leading our people in worship on Sunday. My goal for the podcast is that not just to give you some more information, I hope to orient you more towards Jesus. And so, this week we are digging into an exciting topic, something that is probably one of my favorite things to consider when we're talking about worship ministry, and that is the question of what makes a good worship song. There are two lenses to kind of look through when we're answering this question. So first, it's important to take a magnifying glass to the lyrical content of a song. And then second, it's important to examine the musical qualities of the song. But this week, we're going to dig into a few categories that provide a framework for examining the lyrical content of songs. So first, the idea of singing scripture. The Apostle Paul encourages the Colossians to let the word of God dwell in them richly as they speak to one another using psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, some theologians believe that these three categories are the categories that define the songs that are in the book of Psalms. These types of theologians are typically the ones who argue for exclusive psalm singing. They often ascribe to what's called the Puritan idea of the regulative principle. In short, this principle says that only what is described and commanded in Scripture is appropriate for Christian worship. Thus, they believe that it's only appropriate to sing the Psalms. So note here that I've been talking about this perspective as something that other people hold to. I don't hold to this principle. I don't even think that biblical characters hold to this principle. There's a ton of songs in the scriptures that are not psalms. Consider the song of Miriam, the song of Moses after they um, crossed the Red Sea during the Exodus. Consider the song of Mary after she heard that she was going to be bearing the Savior. There's a ton of songs like that throughout the scriptures that are not psalms, but the people of God used and sung. That being said, the important thing to note in the aforementioned passage is that Paul, and by the nature of the scriptures being divinely inspired God, intends for us to use music as a way to allow the word of God to dwell in us. So songs that espouse scriptural truths and even better songs that use the language of scripture directly are exceedingly valuable for corporate worship. The second category to consider when evaluating a song for worship is how the song fits into the liturgy. If a song works particularly well as a confession or as a thankful response to the saving work of Jesus or as a commitment to living life, in response to the gospel, or any other of number of things that fit into the liturgy, they are particularly valuable for corporate worship. A couple of particularly effective liturgical songs are God Be Merciful to Me, that's a prayer of confession, Behold the Lamb, which is a communion hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be, a sending song, 
or this I believe, it's a setting of the Apostles' Creed, and then also there is a Redeemer is a thankful response to the saving work of Christ. The third category to consider is the theology of the song. When considering song lyrics, it's important to consider what type of theology they espouse. Because the contemporary Christian music industry was essentially started by the Pentecostal charismatic church movement, there are often contemporary songs that have themes that are contrary to our Reformed theological perspective. That being said, there are also many popular hymns that espouse theology contrary to our Reformed perspective. What we sing ends up shaping our understanding of who God is much more than what we already think we know. The phrase, you are what you eat, is relevant here. Over time, if our song diet is full of human-centered songs all about our actions, we'll start to believe that we are the center of the gospel. If our songs all talk about how faith will lead to breakthrough or some sort of material blessing or some sort of spiritual victory, we'll start to believe it. This is why it's vital that songs that we use in corporate worship align with our theological convictions. The fourth category to consider has to do with how the song handles the Trinity. Many times songs focus on one person of the Trinity, usually the Father or Son, and there are precious few songs that engage with the Holy Spirit that are not espousing some type of errant Pentecostal charismatic theology, and even fewer songs that engage with all three persons of the Trinity. You might be sick of the song, There is a Redeemer, but part of the reason we use it so frequently is because it mentions all three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Others that mention all three persons include Grace Alone, King of Kings, the Doxology, and God the Spirit. And like I said, there's not many. The final category having to do with the lyrical content of a song is how it retells the gospel story. Most of the new songs that we teach here at Visalia CRC are songs that could be considered a gospel recitation, songs that recite the story of how God and Christ came to earth, died on the cross in our place, rose in victory over sin and death, and will return again to make all things right. These songs are particularly powerful because, like I said before, we are what we eat. If our diet is full of songs that tell the story of the gospel, we will become more and more a people who are shaped by that story. Some of my favorite songs that tell the story well are King of Kings, Living Hope, O Praise the Name, His Mercy is More, In Christ Alone, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, Christ the True and Better, It Was Finished Upon That Cross, and How Great Thou Art. I could keep going there. Next week, we'll continue along these lines. We'll consider further what makes a good worship song. If a song has good lyrical content, the next thing to consider are some elements of its musicality. We'll look at the range, melody, syncopation, and other similar categories next week. So in preparation for our discussion this week, please consider what your favorite worship song is and why. Also consider if there was anything new in this episode that you had not considered before, or if there was something that you disagreed with.